Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, he might just be the coolest man on the planet. Samuel L. Jackson returns to talk glass and his remarkable career. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. So pleased to be with you guys today to talk to the one and only Mr. Samuel L. Jackson. He is, of course, the ultimate in cool the man with all the swagger and the talent to back it up, and he is returning to the M. Night Shyamalan-averse, if we want to call it that, with the eagerly anticipated glass. Uh, I can't believe this movie exists. This is, you know, for those that, that know me a little bit, uh, or those that just know me, you know, casually on the, on the podcast or, or, or whatever, you might not be surprised to know that I'm a huge Unbreakable fan. Any Any comic book movie fan loves Unbreakable. Um, I've always been obsessed with this film. Uh, and it, to the point where, uh, what year was it? 2010. 2010, I actually pitched to New York Comic Con and, 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 and along with my, my friends at MTV, we put together a 10th anniversary retrospective of Unbreakable and Lord and uh, Night Shyamalan to New York Comic Con to talk about it. And thus a, uh, a friendship was born with Knight. I've known him for, uh, I guess, eight years now, uh, going on nine. And um, he's so talented, so uh, so sweet. He, I went to the premiere last night for Glass here in New York, seeing it for the second time. And um, the way he introduced the film, his parents were there, his, uh, his just generosity of spirit was really contagious. He's... He's a good guy, and I'm, I'm happy for all the success he's experienced in the last few years, especially after uh, taking some knocks. You know, this is the, the nature of any career. You don't ever just have hit after hit after hit. But for M. Night Shyamalan, you know, he, he started with such remarkable films like, uh, like The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable and Signs, and then, you know, then he got some knocks. But since directing the low-budget horror film The Visit and then Split, which knocked my brain out of my head when I found out it was an Unbreakable sequel, uh, and now with Glass poised to make a ton of money by all, by all reports, um, he's back on top, and uh, I'm happy for him. So uh, Glass comes out this Friday as I tape this. It stars, of course... James McAvoy and Bruce Willis and Sarah Paulson, she's great in it, and my guest today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Mr. Samuel L. Jackson. Um, his second visit to the podcast, the last one was for um, Miss Peregrine, the uh, Tim Burton film that he was in a few years back. That was a short visit. That was just like a 20-minute chat. This is a much longer conversation, much more of a career conversation, uh, and man, he is Awesome. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've talked to Sam many, many, many times over the years. That's the benefit of a career like Sam where, you know, he makes like two or three movies at minimum a year. So he's kind of always doing press. Never had a chance to talk to him at this at this length. And I'll be honest, like in the early going, in the early years of talking to Sam Jackson, I think I, like many people, was intimidated to a degree that it made me unable to function as a good interviewer, as a good conversationalist with him. Because Sam walks into a room and he is, he knows he's Sam Jackson in the best way possible. He's not an asshole about it. He's just very self-possessed and confident. And, 
you know, if you ask a stupid question, he'll say, what does that mean? No. Like, he'll just, like, bat it away. So, you have to kind of be on your A-game with Sam Jackson. But I think I've been doing this long enough and I've known Sam long enough that I think I've keyed into the way to uh, have a good conversation with him. And this is... This is a fantastic chat. Um, he's so open and honest and funny and smart. And uh, I, I was delighted the entire time. And I think you will be, too. We cover a lot. Um, you know, for those who don't know, I mean, uh, digging a little bit into his past is fascinating. You know, most people started to see him probably in Pulp Fiction. That was like the big movie where Sam Jackson exploded onto the scene. But he'd been around for a bit. Uh, he'd done some Spike Lee films. He'd had some, some, uh, some films of note. Um, and early on, part of the, the, the history of Sam Jackson that he's been very open about was struggling with addiction uh, in a real profound way. And he talks at length about that in this conversation. And, um, you know, again, in an open, honest and funny way, if you can, about addiction. Uh, so a lot about that. And then, of course, we cover a ton of geeky stuff like um, his amazing role in the Marvel movies as Nick Fury. He's going to be in Captain Marvel. We talk about the Nick Fury we're going to see in that. We talk about his uh, portrayal of Mace Windu in the prequels and how he feels about the prequels. Always getting always getting the business from fans. Um, yeah, this is a delight. I, I know you guys are going to enjoy this one. Um, I hope you do. And I hope you check out Glass uh, when it's in theaters this Friday. Um, he's finally the title character. It's his show this time. Uh, and it is the completion of the Unbreakable trilogy. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's true. Um, Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused. Uh, spread the good word. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoy this chat as much as I did. Here he is, the one and only Samuel Jackson. You know what you're doing. I have no idea. Let's see. What's been the best press tour in Sam Jackson's illustrious career? What was the most memorable one in all the years? Uh, which hmm. one jumps out? Which, which one? Yeah, uh, I did a I did a press junket in Tokyo once for Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis, mm -hmm. Rennie Harlan, and in that press junket we had we had interpreters, and um, whoever the young lady was that was my interpreter, somebody asked me a question, I answered it, and she started to say it in Japanese, and like every other word she was saying, and, and the Samyasan Aniga, Atiba, Aniga, Aniga, and Gina was like, whoa, 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 stop, stop, and the girl was like, what? She's like, you can't say that. And she was like, what? She's like, and the girl was like, oh, no, 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 not the Niga, but the Niga, like an and, an of, a smaller word. <laughs> but she knew what it was, and she was like, well, I'm not saying that. Right. I'm saying this. <laughs> but that's, like, I'd never forget that. And it was like, it was a moment moment for me. <laughs> no, no, not the nigga. I bought the nigga. <laughs> I, 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 hope, okay. I hope nothing as traumatic and interesting has happened today. It wasn't traumatic. <laughs> it was, like I said, it was kind of funny to me. I was kind of like, what's going on? Okay. Amazing, amazing. Well, congratulations, Ernie, Oil, that this film actually exists in the universe. I can't. I don't know what we're going to talk about in subsequent years, because this is one of those movies that I would ask you and Knight every time I would see you guys, mm -hmm. when is the damn sequel happening? Well, We've I asked him that, too, so... <laughs> 
I mean, I didn't have the answer. I know he said it was part of a trilogy once we did it, and it just never got done. Is there okay? Well, I, w- I want to come back around to that. Here, here's my first question, um, semi-serious question. Is there is there a pride you take in in the times when you have? I mean, you are the title character. You're you are Mr. Glass. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, as a, as a film geek, as a fan, as someone that struggled early on to kind of get where you are, do you take a pride? Do you take a moment to take pride in a, in, in a moment like that of being the title guy? Not really. Well, and having a film named after you or being number one on the call sheet? Well, I guess it goes hand in hand usually. Not necessarily. Okay. I mean, the movie can be named something else. It doesn't have to be your character name. That's true. You know, it's well, not like Django. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it strikes me, like when I was looking back at the early stuff, a lot of your early roles, you don't even have a character name. Exactly. Black You're, guy. You were literally credited yeah. as black guy in which one? Well, was um, it? Sea of Love. Sea of Love, yes. Not a bad movie, but not the best credit to have. Well, I was clipboard guy before I was black guy. You were also a taxi dispatch guy. Yes. Uh, you were hold up man in Coming to America. Yeah. So we've come we've come a long way, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but you know, people remember that guy in Coming to America. You know, people are asking me now. Even now, people are going. So you got to be in. Right. You got to be in Coming to America too. And I'm like, why? Maybe dude is successful now. He might not be robbing McDonald's anymore. Maybe he got clean and you know. He, well, there's a story there too, though. Yeah, he's on Wall Street or something now. Who knows? You <laughs> never know. It's worth a cameo. Something. Yeah, right. Um. But and Craig's I, a friend of mine, so maybe it'll happen. Not yet. Oh, that's right. Of course, yeah. Black Snake, Black Snake Moan. That's yeah. amazing. Um, so, were you? I, I guess that's a bigger shift, maybe early on, is when you go from those roles that don't even have a character name mm-hmm. to getting your own character name. Well, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, even when you're doing movies where you have your own character name, at a certain point in your life or your career, you were still going to auditions, and it's still. Uh, depended on somebody saying, yeah, I like that guy, that guy right there. Right. You know, or whatever. You know, it's like when I did Goodfellas, you know, I auditioned for that part. And, you know, I got the part of Stacks, but, right. you know, I worked X number of days, but Marty kept me around. You know, he liked having me around, so he would call me in and I would go in and hang out, you know. But you take the job that falls out for you and you go in and you make the best of it. Yeah. You know, you do what you can. And then, you know, you, I, Finally reached that point where people sent scripts to me. I could read them. I could make a choice. Do I want to do this or do I not want to do that? Or do right. I want to do that one? So that becomes a greater burden in an, in, in an interesting sort of way. Totally. Because I've had that discussion with many actors where it's like a lot of people think early on, 90% of actors, 99% of actors have no choice. You, yes. take, you take what you can get. Exactly. And then the, probably the biggest shift for anybody that achieves success yeah, you become is the ability that five, to say the no. 5% of people who actually get to choose your own job. Do you remember when you could start to say no and was that something like was that odd for you to be able to say that <laughs> was it counterintuitive like wait I actually have to turn a job down I sort of remember it but I didn't have to turn it down I just did um, or when I thought about it the phenomenon that struck me most was how quickly you become jaded by what happens because um, I made no money. When I was here in New York, I was, you know, I was making no money basically. And then, you know, you you uh, get jobs that are scale plus ten. And then I got a job that paid me, I think maybe sixty grand for like eight weeks of work. Right. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. I made sixty grand in my life <laughs> in a year, let alone you know in ten weeks. But 
you know, along with that came like, okay, uh, and we're going to give you a three-picture deal to do so-and-so and so-and-so, the next one's going to be so-and-so, and the next one's going to pay you so-and-so. And when you figure it out and you're there doing that, when that by the time that third picture comes around, you're like, I'm not going to work 10 weeks for that <laughs> amount of money. And it's amazing how quickly you get jaded and say, where, where the points? I'm getting screwed here. Where are the points at the back end? Where's I'm the merchandise? You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know what? Last year, dude, you you hadn't made sixty grand total in the last ten years of your life. Now all of a sudden, you're turning down hundred and fifty grand for eight weeks because you think you're getting underpaid. <laughs> Shut up. Are so you are it you reminding yourself to kick in? Huh? Did you, did you is it people in your life that have to remind you about that stuff, or are you pretty good at kind of? I like, was good at it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was I was I was I was fine about it. But um, amazingly, too, at that very same time, there are other people who are offering you more money because they do see your potential. Yeah. And these other people are sort of kind of taking advantage of you because they've seen your potential too, but they know people want to see you. And you have the right people around you. They can break that other deal and get you another deal, and you start to vet, to see what your value is and how that works right. in the business in a specific kind of way. In in the years before you started Pulp Fiction and started to get the leads in some films, was there absolute certitude that it was going to happen? It was just a matter of when? or In my you, mind or in, in, your, in your mind? Or in the reality of the world? No, in your mind. Um... Up to a point, yes, because I mean I was around. I mean I was around when you know Morgan got plucked out of the public theater to go, and he did Street Smart, and he took off. Um, I was doing Soldiers Play with Denzel when he started doing Saint Elsewhere, and then did Carbon Copy, and blah blah blah. He took off. I was around Fish. He took off, and you know uh, doing whatever you know the stuff he did. I was around Wesley. I was around. I was around Alfred. So yes, I was in the right place. Yeah. It just wasn't my time, and I couldn't figure out what my time was. Like everybody else, you know, you kind of wait for your time, and then you get anxious for your time, and then you start figuring, shit, is my time ever coming? And by the time I forgot about, you know, movie stardom and all that other stuff and got sober, it's kind of when it happened. Do you connect the two, or do you think it's happens? Because you've talked about how even when you were abusing stuff, you were still a responsible actor. I was working, yeah. Um, I connect success to sobriety. Yeah. Um, I think so. Yeah, in a very real kind of way. Um, Gator, interestingly enough, you know, doing Jungle Fever, that was the first character I had ever done without a substance in my body. Right. You know, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm being recognized as, oh my God, this guy can act. Uh, and I thought I could act before, but like my wife always said, well, yeah, you can act, but there's no substance to that. Because you're watching people's reaction to what you do. Uh, you're smart enough to have the right facial expression and the right vocal <laughs> inflection, but there's no soul in that. Right. And um, I guess when I did Gator, I was I was essentially trying to kill off that person that I had been, you know, before I got that part. I mean, I was I was so much him in reality that when I showed up to go to work the guys who were the guards on set wouldn't let me near craft service because they thought I was just somebody off the street in Harlem. Uh, <laughs> so, Were you worried that that role was going to lead back down a dark path? Because that's not necessarily probably out of the, the guidebook. Everybody in rehab was. I wasn't. It, didn't, it never occurred to me that 
that was going to be the deal. Are you going to be having crack pipes and and lighters and all your triggers are going to kick in? It's like, no, I hate you guys. I don't want to come back here. <laughs> don't want you know, I don't want to come. You know, yeah. all those people I, I met in rehab that were in rehab for the third, fourth, and fifth time. I was like, how you? How do you come back and hang out with these motherfuckers? <laughs> I hate these people. I that's, never want to see them again in my life. That's the greatest life. incentive to see what you're around? And yeah. Get, how like, do I get out of this? No. These people were like, you know, half of them were there trying to figure out, getting clean enough to go back and do their jobs. And, you know, I remember seeing, you know, women there whose husbands were there with their kids and their wives were saying, you told me you wanted to see me dead on the road. And the guy's like, you've been in rehab six fucking times. I hate you. Yeah, and the wife's like, oh, like, yes, I'm just here because the kid's here. I'm divorcing your ass. I'm wow. fuck you. I'm out, you know? So I'm looking at rehab like, this ain't some place you want to keep coming back and forth yeah. to. Yeah. So I'm going to do everything I can to stay out of here. And I was fortunate when I got out that I got clean in Harlem. I was up there, you know, talking to people. Yeah, I smoked, I smoked cocaine, but... Shit, I was around like hardcore junkies and yeah. like the kind of crackheads that I was around. I was I was taking care of myself when I was a crackhead. I had a job. I paid for my cocaine. I could go to the a I could go to the ATM and get money because I put money in the bank. I paid my rent. I wasn't selling the TVs or the radios in the house and none of that shit. But you know, you sitting up there talking to people or or listening to stories about people that. Stole their kids' fucking Christmas presents and sold them and told their kids, well, you be bad, so Santa didn't come to see you. You know, or, you know, the girl that's in there going, well, the guy, I wanted a rock, but the guy said, well, you can't have a rock and you have to blow the dog. It's like, and they did it. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, fuck. That's the real dark stuff. My life is not as bad (laughs) as I thought it was, but I know how far down this rabbit hole is possible to go, and I'm not going down there. So I was fortunate. What about, I mean, in the intermittent years, I'm sure you've, Sadly, probably worked opposite people that you could see are struggling, like with that kind of stuff. Do you, yeah. Does it ever feel like? Do you feel like you have to say something to them? Does that, I mean it's their life? It's their. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just it must be. Sobering I'm just an for, example. For lack I mean, of a you can word. look at me. My story's not a secret, so you can look at me and know, you know, that I, I, I went in that tunnel, I came out the other end. Right. And I'm okay. Right. You know, so. That's all I can do is be an example. Yeah. I mean, there are there are there are people that I saw in the rooms that became very successful and died on the other end because I guess you reach a point. There's that point that they used to talk about all the time where you think you're well, and okay, now I can have I can have a beer, you know. But I never had one beer my whole life, you know, or you know, or I can. I can snort a line. Yeah, no. No. You know, and I mean, I know people that were very successful, very respected actors who are dead today that I used to sit in the rooms with. Wow. And watch. Does that stuff manifest in different ways for you now? Addiction? I know you're, you're, you're a golfer. <laughs> is that, is that yeah. like, is that a benign way it manifests? Not really. Is, not um, really. It's, it's it? a... A constructive and fun way to spend, you know, the four hours I used to spend hanging around in a room with some guys, you know, smoking cocaine right. and, you know, sweating. Right. <laughs> I mean, my going to work as much as I do could be considered, you know, the yeah. same thing. Yeah. I just enjoy it. It's, it. It occupies my time. I mean, even though I know, you know, there were actors that, actors that go to work, acting is, it's, it's, it's a nefarious kind of thing. You know, when you're doing theater... 
and you're in rehearsal, you're in rehearsal all day long, and you're doing it. That's you're a doing real it, job. Doing it, doing, it, doing, it, doing, it, doing it. But when you're on a movie set, yeah, you go and you work for like ten minutes, and they go, you know, sit in your trailer for another hour and a half, and wait on them to come back and put some lights up. Shit, you could do, you know, a half pound of cocaine in that time. So I see how you know people get caught up in their trailers doing whatever they're doing, or. You know, it's chicks running in and out of trailers. You're doing that shit. So I could see how nefarious the movie industry could be. Right. Fortunately, I was grown by the time I got there. Yeah. And by the time success hit, I had some sense of what I could do, couldn't do, wanted to do, didn't want to do, and what the dangers of believing all the shit that people say to you about you can lead to. Right. Okay, I want to jump uh, to this movie just before we go on 10 different tangents, which we still will. But like like I was alluding to before, I, I kind of never thought this movie was actually going to happen. Um, did you in your heart of hearts actually think he'd get around to this at some point? That, that I stopped thinking about it. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not in my presence. And like I said, if I didn't see Night, I didn't think about it. Yeah. To, way back when, when he described to you, if at all, what was to come, did it resemble at all what this movie is. But he didn't. He didn't really go into No, all he said was, There's more. it's going to happen. Yeah. And in my mind, it was like, okay, we'll finish this movie. In two years, we'll do the other one. That means I'm either going to break out of that mental institution and find David Dunn and some other shit's going to jump off and blah, blah, blah. And then two years later, we'll do something else and that'll be the culmination of it. So... When you worked with Knight, he was coming off of Sixth Sense, so he was like, on, yeah. he was on top of the world, and he's like been through the kind of the ringer uh, in different ways well, since then. Yes, right. Well, he was so successful with that film, they let him shoot Unbreakable in sequence. Oh, really? Yeah, and I I'm worked sure. thirteen days on that movie, but I was in days. Philadelphia for wow. two and a half months. And I'm sure he had Final Cut and had all that. I right. mean, we didn't shoot out any location; we just kept coming back and forth. Amazing! It was crazy. That's not happen. Yeah. Um, what was your impression of him? I mean, do you have a good gauge on young filmmakers, whether they've got the goods or not? Then? Yeah. Well, that success, I don't know how he was on Sixth Sense, but I know when we got to Unbreakable, he had, he essentially had a comic book in his hand. Mm. And he was... I mean, anal to the point that he knew how much time he wanted to spend on each shot. So we were shooting the panels that he had in his comic book. And he knew how much time he wanted to spend on them and what he wanted to happen in them, you know, to the point where he would say, don't say the line that way, say it this way. Uh, don't blink in this scene. Oh, wow. You know, just sit there, stare, don't blink, just give him this look. You know, uh, don't put the emphasis on that word, put it on this word. Oh, and how were you with that? Not very good. <laughs> I was going to say, that doesn't sound Not like... Not very good at all, but, you know, it's like, okay, fine. Um, we'll get through it. <laughs> so was it only in retrospect, and you saw the finished product, you were like, okay, the guy knows well, what he's doing. No, because in retrospect, we would go, we we go to ADR, and he would go, how did you want to say that line before? And I would say, this is what I wanted to do. And he said, all right, do it that way. And I go, oh, so you, oh, so you heard it, so you know I'm right, so... At least it was... At least it was that, right. you know. And I guess through the through the years of, you know, the the rest of those films, and getting beat down a little bit and yeah. knocked around humility and a little, yeah. you know, you, you kind of, you know, you, you get enough ego bruises. You show up for the other films and you start doing smaller films and you like them, you, you, you figure out a new way to work as you mature. Yeah. So by the time we get to this... 
he has matured in a way that allows him to be collaborative with us. Right. You know, as the people on the inside of the story that, okay, you put the flesh and this, everything else on this character. How do you feel about what's happened since then? Or right. What's going on here? What's going on there? So it was easier to um, give of myself <laughs> as opposed to be used as a pawn. Which can happen yeah. more often than we like in this business, probably. Yes. So you and Bruce back together yet again. We always love to see you and, and Mr. Willis together. Um, yeah, I, I, there's one project we, we haven't seen happen. Wasn't there talk that we're, there was going to be an, a reteaming of you guys from Die Hard? I keep hearing that. You know, I've heard it from a lot of different people, the most reliable source being Radio Man. Uh, <laughs> Radio Man knows. For those that don't know, Radio Man is an institution who's on every set yeah, in New exactly, York. Exactly. Yeah. Sammy, Sammy. <laughs> Die Hard 3. Young, young Bruce, you're going to do Zeus again. <laughs> so, but, you know, hadn't happened yet. No script, no calls, nothing real. Nothing real. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, well, back to first instincts on directors. I'm curious because I, I noticed. Um, I think the only time you worked with PTA was on his first feature, Paul Thomas Anderson, mm -hmm. Sydney, aka Hard Eight, whatever we want to call it. Well, he tried to put me in um, um, the Dirk Diggler movie. Oh, Boogie Nights. Yeah, I didn't have time. Something happened. Okay. Yeah, he did try to put me in there, but he still owes me a job. <laughs> He's on the list. He owes me a job, man. Come on. <laughs> Did his first movie. I, got, I made you what you are. No, nah, I didn't make him what he was. But <laughs> I did his first movie, and I helped him fight with the producers about his final cut because they were trying to lock him out of the editing room, all yeah, kinds yeah. of craziness. So, you know. That was a mess. What, so what's you, you kind of alluded to this before. Um, I guess in terms of direction on set, you're not the guy that wants a line reading, I'm going to guess, from a director. No. <laughs> you hired me for a reason. Let me, let me do what I do. Right. Do you say that to them if they... If they Sometimes. If it's necessary. <laughs> or sometimes I just give them a look. You know, or I go, you want me to say it like that? And then they'll realize, oh, uh, so, I'm not giving you a line reading. So yes, you are. <laughs> so say it again. Do it again. Let me hear it. And they go, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I feel like you'd get along well with Fincher's kind of no, no bullshit attitude. Really? I don't know. Am I wrong from what you've heard about Fincher? I don't know. I don't know if, don't know if that's true or not. Because, you know, I'm like a... I'm like a three-take dude. Oh, four, are you? Okay, so never, four mind. Is never a lot. mind. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Take it back. Take it back. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. So, okay, so PTA is on the list. It's not going to get better. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I guess his, I don't know what his, his technique is. I don't know why he's trying to get do that. Beat it out of the actor or something. Um, when do you know, there must be a sinking feeling when you know a director is full of shit on a set. They've, you've bought into their BS maybe to get you on set. And then at a certain point, day one or two, you maybe realize they don't have the goods to back it up. Yeah. What do you do? How do you survive? <laughs> like, do you are, do you, are you just taking care of your side of the street? Or you play you just, defense. Yeah. You know, you kind of go, I'm going to do this. You know, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, um, I have a plan. Or you ask them, you know, have you seen the movie? Have you seen this scene? So... You know that this is connected to that, so if I do this thing that you want me to do, it's not going to make sense when we get to that place. So just let me, let me follow my plan. I got a plan. It's funny because it must be an odd circumstance, especially in your career now, where like 90% of the directors you work with, you, you've been on a film set way more than they have. You mm -hmm. have a lot more experience than them. Mm -hmm. So you know of what you speak, and sometimes they, they're fronting. Well, sometimes, I mean, there are, there are still good directors that 
know what they want to do and they have a plan and they don't they don't go back on it when you show up and they start trying to get tricky or cute and do stuff you know i mean i mean i got a lot of little pet peeves about different things and sometimes it comes down to not just me but the crew you know right. you got to protect them too cuz they got to be able to do their jobs they can't be beat up they can't be tired you know, if you're in, like, a 16-hour a day and then the next day the dude is trying, you know, next thing you know, you're, like, going around the fucking clock before the week is over, you got to, like, stop and say to the producers, are y'all going to say something? Right. Or do we say something? Or you reach a point where they want to do a shot and you go, this is not going to be in a movie. You know, we don't need to waste our time doing this. You yeah. know, you can see the crew, like, going, because they know, too. <laughs> like, so you got it. You know we've done we've done the master. We've done the two shot. Yeah. You don't need it over. Right. And over is just you don't need it. Well, I just want to see it when I go in the editing room. No, we don't want to see it. We don't want to do it. It's gonna take. You know we got eighteen more shots to do today. Can we not do that? Right. Please. <laughs> Always add the please at least. Yeah. Do you have a good sense at this point of how a film's gonna turn out on a set, or is that getting no. easier? It's still hard. Amazingly, no. You know, I mean there. When's the last time you walked into a theater, saw the finished product of one of your films, and it was just so counter to what you were expecting that you just shook your head? You mean good or bad? Could go either way. Take it either way you want. Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> that means a good answer is coming. Um, no, not necessarily. <laughs> uh, it just means that there are times when you're doing specific kinds of films that if the right humans are there doing what the human thing is, it's kind of awesome, and the humans are doing it, and it's great, but the humans aren't the star of the movie, really. Right. It's the other stuff that's going to happen. So you know that, okay, we took care of our part. Hopefully, they'll take care of theirs. Right. And you walk in there, and you go, whoa, shit. They actually took care of their part. <laughs> they actually held up their end of the bargain. And the movie becomes, the movie is a lot more successful than you expected. So it to you be. were surprised by Kong Skull Island, is my translation. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, kind of, yeah. <laughs> Do kids recognize you more as Nick Fury or, or Mace Windu? Uh, Nick Fury. You have to be a certain age to be a Mace Windu. But it comes back around. I mean, Phantom yeah, Mace. But they don't, you know, I don't think, unless you're like a specific kind of Star Wars fan, you're not going back. Right. You only you started Star Wars at a certain point, and that's where you want to see it. They're not even you know Harrison Ford people, let alone the episode one, two, and three people. Are you defensive when people give the prequel shit? Sure. What do you say? I just say this, mm, the episode ep one is a kiddie movie. It's every little boy's fantasy that ever wanted to be a Jedi and flying a jet planes movie, and they like Jar Jar Binks. Only adults hate him. <laughs> It's true. It's true. We've joked, you've joked about, or maybe not even joked, about Mace Windu running around the galaxy with one hand, one arm. He's still out there. It, it, How many one-handed characters yes. have been cloned and fixed their one hand? Are there in the Star Wars galaxy? Some major ones. A lot. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> no one has two hands. That's so gauche. Well, right. <laughs> um, but I feel like now with all these spinoffs, Disney+, Plus, etc., there's actually more realistic opportunity than ever. Mm-hmm. I, 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 here's my, I, mean, I feel like the Obi-Wan movie, the inevitable Obi-Wan movie, 
Mace Windu can, can swoop in for a little help. Well, they should be. I mean, they should be contemporaries of sorts. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. Okay. At all. As long as we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Lucas was, is still a friend. He was at your recent birthday party. Yeah. Do you think he regrets giving up the reins to Star Wars? No, I think he's happy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's enjoying being a dad and playing with his kid and watching the world do what the world's doing and building his museum. He's pretty cool with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not like he can't make a movie if he doesn't feel like it. Right. I keep wanting to these like secret, private, weird, small movies he keeps talking about. Are yeah, we ever going to exactly. see them? Exactly. Are they ever going to happen? Yeah. yeah. Um, you haven't shot any of them in secret that we should know no, about? No, I haven't. Okay, just checking. I don't know. You never know. Um, we're going to see you in a bunch of Marvel coming up, thankfully, after a bit of a break from Nick Fury. <laughs> You're making up for lost time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, Old Rob Nick Fury and new Nick Fury. Yeah, same, <laughs> same Fury. 90s Nick Fury and Captain yeah. Marvel. Is this the most Nick Fury we'll, we'll see in a Marvel film thus far? Probably. For a long time, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do you have you read like all the completed scripts of like Captain Marvel, of Spider Man movie, of Avengers Endgame? Did you read any of those entire scripts? Mm, not Avengers Endgame, no. Okay. I read. I generally read the scripts I'm in. Well, we don't, well come on. I don't. I don't just go to my part. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say in Glass, were you worried? Did you thump? Because every actor go, looks for their, their part first, I would think. Were you worried going halfway through the script and still not seeing a, a line? I don't, I, don't, I don't actually do that anymore. You don't? Okay. I used to, you know, uh, or I'll do it when somebody sends me a script and they say, we want you to do a cameo here. I'll, I'll, I'll go look for, look for what that cameo is. And right. depending upon what that cameo is, it may entice me to go back and read what happened before right. and what happens after. Um, but most times, no, I read the whole script all the time. I like scripts. <laughs> Doesn't take that long to read them. No, I'm, I'm with you. A lot of people, now, if you have some actors, it takes some actors a very long time to read a script. I don't know what that is. It should, it should take, I don't know, roughly two hours. Yes. <laughs> yeah, or they tell you, well, you know, I'm shooting a movie right now, and I'm uh, like, motherfucker, I shoot movies. <laughs> I know how much time you have in your trailer doing nothing. You have time to read a script. And unless you're a method actor who's stupid, <laughs> dyslexic, or, you know... I got you. Can't fucking read. Right. You got no excuse for not reading the script. Right. While you're hanging around. <laughs> How's Nick in the 90s? How's the Nick Fury we meet in the 90s in Captain Marvel? Uh, you know, bureaucrat, pencil pusher, trying to figure out, you know, do I really want to be in this? What's going on? You know, he's just... There, he's trying to figure out, you know, his job basically is supposedly figuring out where the next threat's coming from, you know, threat control, da da da. Do you feel like you've been best utilized in this part? You're in like a thousand of their movies, but we've never had the Nick Fury movie, we've never had the series. Do you feel like there's still more to be done with that character that hasn't been? Of course, yeah, there's lots of stuff you can do with him, but has he been used wisely? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, except for, you know, things like um, Civil War. It's like, if all the Avengers are fucking fighting each other, where's their guardian? Right. Where's that dude that comes in and goes, all right, everybody go to your room. <laughs> I'll be in there to talk to you in a minute. You know, it's kind of like, okay, either he's the guy that brought them together and he's the glue, or he's not. Right. You know, so I felt a little, I felt a way about that. <laughs> Um, we know you love popcorn movies. Like, it is, I mean, you love movies as entertainment first and foremost. Yes. What's uh, 
Is there a franchise outside of the 17 that you're a part of that you enjoy as a fan? <laughs> a franchise outside of this, uh, What do you get excited for? I liked Wonder Woman. I had a good time watching Wonder Woman. Okay. Uh, you a Trekkie? Star Trek do it for you? No, not, no I, didn't, I wasn't a Trekkie when it was on TV. Yeah. Uh, you either just, are or you aren't. That's okay. Yeah, it just wasn't one of the... No. I was more of a lost in space kind of guy when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> the the uh, I haven't seen the new Netflix the reboot? reboot. But I saw the, well, the, the 90s one was pretty horrible, let's be honest. Yeah, the 90s bad. <laughs> but um, I don't know. You know and uh, I haven't seen Aquaman yet. I used to like Aquaman comic books when I was a kid. Right. I liked them a lot. So I'm probably going to see it. I, I, I heard you say somewhere that comic books were kind of the treat for you as a kid. Like that was like. Well, they were, but for every five comic books I read, I had to read a classic in my house, which not a bad deal. No, it's fine. I mean, made me literary and literate and all that other shit. Yeah, uh, and I still like <laughs> reading books. You know, I mean, I, I like reading books that just have words, so I can put the pictures in my mind. Right. And I still like reading comic books, so I can look at the pictures that are there too. So I'm about that too. So still. Can you divulge who you're voting for in the Oscars? What are your favorites this year? I don't know that I have any. <laughs> really? Um, I mean, I do think that when they were talking about having, you know, a popular movie Oscar, they should have. Really? That's, that should be an award for the movie that made the most money. That's what we're doing. That I mean, should be the criteria? That's we're the... celebrating fucking movies of this year. Well, to be fair... The movie that made the most money this year is... Of course the guy Here's that an has, Oscar for the movie that made the most money. Devil's Advocate, of course the guy that has made more money in his career for, in movies, $13 billion man, is going to say that. <laughs> no, that's not necessarily the case. I'm just saying that's, that's, that's still a place for, you know, your artistic choice that, you know, didn't break box office records. Right. But if, if we're celebrating movies then celebrate the fucking movie that did what you make movies for every year. Right. Made some money. <laughs> the one that made the most money is this one. And here's your most money Oscar. Fuck that. It's, it's, it's fine. It should be there. I feel like I That's gotta, what we're doing, aren't we? Yeah. We're celebrating movies. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I got a sneak peek at your upcoming uh, when you host the Oscars eventually. That's going to be your monologue. Oh, well. No. Could be. <laughs> And I'll just give that award, too. Yeah. <laughs> You'll make it yourself. So do whatever. Surprise. Still Surprise, motherfuckers. We're giving an Oscar for that shit anyway. There, yeah. should, there should be that. There should be stunts. There oh, yeah. Well, they have the Stuntman Awards. Yeah, but come on. Let them... What, best stunt of the year? Well, I don't know. I mean, Who Mission would that Impossible. Be? Tom Cruise doing his own stunts hanging off a mountain? That team, whoever makes all that stuff happen, okay, they fine. deserve something. The team that makes that happen. Let me think. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I like stunts. I'm down with that. Okay. All the way down with that. Are you walking by in the background of the new Tarantino movie at all? Are we seeing it? Is there a voiceover? Not is to my any... knowledge. What? I have no idea. I asked somebody the other day if there were any black people in that movie. They said, <laughs> and they were thinking about it. I'm like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> didn't read the script, didn't talk to a cute. Well, it's not over. You know, he's still editing. He might call me in the voiceover or something. You know? <laughs> Never know. He's got at least one or two more films in him, so you'll. I hope so. I hope so too. Yeah. Do you believe it when he says he's going to retire at ten? I have no idea. I mean, he might have meant it when he said it, and then you know, next day you wake up and go, "No, that's not what I meant." Especially in this climate. I mean, you can say shit now and yeah, I, change I, your I, mind, like you said. <laughs> I never said that. I don't know what you're talking I don't about. Know what you're talking about? <laughs> would uh, Would you ever retire? Are you going to be for what? I am with it's you. A great job. <laughs> 
why would I stop doing it? I'm doing it until they stop calling me. That's why I'm bummed, because you know, when I think of your work, I think of an actor like Gene Hackman. There's not a false note in a Sam Jackson performance. Yeah, but he chilled. Yeah, but... I don't want to chill. I want Michael Caine. I no, don't want to chill. No, I agree. No, my point is I want more Gene Hackman. I don't I want do too. I don't want Welcome to Mooseport to be his swan song oh, to filmmaking. Oh, God. Was that his last movie? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Keep going, uh, Sam. Uh, yeah, thank you. I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm totally going to try. Believe me. Um, congratulations on the new film, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, and uh, I'll see you on your next four movies that come hey, out in the next two months, I think. Right. So Captain Marvel, I'll be back out. I'm back out in the world in three weeks Yeah. doing that, and then I'll go off and do a popcorn movie, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, and then come back and start doing Spider-Man press, <laughs> and then do some Shaft press. Never enough. Like popcorn movie. Never enough. Yeah, man. Uh, Thank th you. Thanks, man, as always. All right. Pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> and so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>